Our scripture reading today comes from uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. I invite you to hear this word in faith as it is read today. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you've already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given to me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, so that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. I pray, therefore, that you may not lose heart over my sufferings for you. They are your glory. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We pray with me and for me now. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as Paul has started his letter, he's laid out a, a grand vision of the salvation of Jesus, that Jesus is gathering up everything into himself, things on heaven and things, things in heaven and things on earth. And he's laid out for us how the Holy Spirit marks us as the people of God and is the promise of the inheritance that is waiting for us. And then in chapter 2, he's, he's laid out what it looks like for us to be saved. He's laid that out in terms of our sinfulness, that, that Christ has come to us when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were headed on the wrong track, when we were on the way of destruction and condemnation, and he's made us alive in Christ Jesus and prepared us, equipped us for the good works that he has prepared for us beforehand. And he says, but it's not just your sinfulness that has kept you outside of the family of God, as he writes to the Ephesians. He says, also, it's your status as Gentiles. He says, you were strangers and aliens to the people and the promises of God. You were outsiders looking in on the promises of God. And by the great grace that is offered to you in Jesus Christ, you have been included. Not just like observers, but you've been made citizens among the saints and you've been made members of the household of God. God has welcomed you into his family. He's given you a seat at the table. He has said that you belong and he's building you into a spiritual house, into a temple with Jesus as the cornerstone. 
And now Paul says, let me make it a little bit personal for you. I'm in jail. And I'm in jail for this message. I'm in jail because God's love for us, God's love for all of you and me too, is one of the most profound and visible expressions of the glory of God. Paul's in jail because of his unwavering commitment to the calling that he has received from Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. And this is an unthinkable thing for Paul to do, as we've already talked about, except that the gospel has been written on his heart. Paul, a Pharisee, would have never gone to see Gentiles, much less invite them to worship his God, apart from leading them all the way through rituals, including circumcision, to become Jewish. His family, his Sunday school teachers, though they didn't call it that, his religious leaders all would have told him to stay as far away from Gentiles as possible. He shouldn't eat with them. He shouldn't associate with them. He should do nothing with Gentiles, not even, not even speak to them. And now, now Paul is in jail for their sake, that they might come to know God and Jesus Christ as he has come to know it. And it's important to note here that Paul's not in jail because he broke Jewish rules, though he has. This isn't some enforcement of Jewish law that has led him to be in jail. It's the Gentile leaders who don't want Paul moving around proclaiming the gospel in their towns. And as Paul sits in jail for ministering to people that, that others thought he shouldn't be with, we see the love and the light of Jesus at work in Paul. Because Jesus, righteous though he was, surprised everyone that he spent time with sinners, that he ate with them, that he cared for them, that he let them put oil on his feet. And now Paul, a Pharisee, finds himself in jail because of his ministry to Gentiles people that he should not spend time with, people whose homes he should not go in, people with whom he should not share a meal. And just as they arrested Jesus and threw, and threw him in jail and ultimately executed him, so they will to Paul. He's in jail now. He'll go to Rome, and in Rome he will find himself killed like his Savior. Paul says, why? Why would I go to jail? And we can ask, why would Paul die for this? And Paul says it's because he wants everyone to know and to see the truth of the gospel. You see, for, for Paul, bringing together a rich variety of people in Jesus Christ is not some secondary afterthought to the gospel. It's central to the mission of Jesus. That's why he points us back to what he said about the mystery of God's will in chapter 1, that, that Jesus in the fullness of time is gathering up everything in heaven and on earth into himself. That in the fullness of time, this is the carrying out of the plan that existed before all ages, that was hidden in God. How do we see what Christ is doing 
in heaven and on earth? How, how does it become visible to others and to us? What are, what are the mechanics of the work that Christ is doing? And Paul says we know it differently right now than we did based on what we knew from the Old Testament, from the, from the prophets and from Moses. The, the law and the prophets, we, we missed the whole story as we read those. We didn't recognize all the clues like when God told Abram that through Abram all the nations of the world would be blessed. We thought it was all about Israel. And now, now in a remarkable way, Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, sharers in the promise of Christ Jesus. This is the point that you and I get included. Paul's in jail because he's a servant of this gospel. Only by God's grace would it happen this way. It wouldn't have happened any other way. And despite his former ways, it's now Paul's task to bring the gospel to the Gentiles at any cost. To tell them about the riches of Christ. The riches of Christ that have no borders, no boundaries, no constraints or limitations, that are not delimited or circumscribed in any way. They are expansive beyond your wildest imagination. Paul's mission, he says clearly here, is to make everyone see the mystery of the ages hidden in God, who created everything and everyone. He says it clearly, so that, so that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might be made known in the heavenly places to the rulers and authorities there. Now, when we pray the Lord's Prayer week, week after week, we, we say, uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? We, we imagine, and this is appropriate, that we imagine that, that things in heaven happen according to God's will and things on earth are not yet in alignment with God's will. But Paul says something else is happening here where earth actually provides a witness to heaven, to the angelic beings in the heavenly places. And it starts by expanding their sense of the wisdom of God. That the wisdom of God is not one thing, not linear logic, but a rich variety. And the word for rich variety here is, is really interesting. It's a compound word, and the, the second half of the word means already much variety, and then they add much to the front of it. It's, it's like the phrase, far, far away, right? Uh, for some of you of, 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 of the right generation, you've seen Shrek 2, where they're headed to far, far away, and Donkey asks, are we there yet, Shrek? And Shrek just responds, far, far away, donkey. Um, It's much, much variety. Tremendous variety. Paul used to live in a world that is black and white, like the beginning of The Wizard of Oz, and now he's seeing it all in technicolor. And this is the church's witness to the heavenly places the angelic beings that abide with God that if they showed up right now would terrify us, learn something about God's wisdom in the variety of the church as God brings together all different kinds of people, 
people who look different, whose skin color is different, who talk different, who come from different cultural backgrounds, different geographic areas. The church, in all of its rich variety, in the midst of ability and disability, of all different kinds of sin and sinfulness, God brings them together. And as God brings them together, the heavenly places start to see what God is up to in bringing all of heaven and earth together, and they begin to understand something about the wisdom of God. If you go up into the nursery any given Sunday here when we have a kid here, and you give them standard blocks, if they have basic motor skills, they can probably stack some together, right? They're already squared off and ready to go for them, and the floor is mostly level and it all all mostly works. But if you give somebody a bunch of uneven rocks and tell them to stack them together to build something and they do it, that's a different kind of impressive, right? If they can, if they can take the top and the bottom off to square them up and find the most square stone to serve as, as the foundation and, and begin building on that... That's another level of craftsmanship. And then, if all of those different stones have different textures and colors and varieties, and they find a way to knit that into a a pattern or a, a tapestry that is beautiful, that becomes something different altogether. As Paul describes this much, much variety that he sees testifying to the heavenly places of the wisdom of God. It's not just technicolor. It's like looking at a tie-dyed shirt through a kaleidoscope. It's tremendous, the variety that God brings together in the church. And you are a part of that variety. And everyone else too, Paul says, he wants to hear the gospel that God has included them in his work of reconciling everything back together. He's offered the Holy Spirit to them that is the sign of God's work in them and the promise of God's completion of that work. This, the fact that God is bringing all of us with our rich variety together is integral to the church's witness. It's not a secondary piece to the gospel. It is Paul's mission to bring together as many people, as many different types of people together to worship the Lord because when that happens, we testify most faithfully to what God is up to. And that might be hard for you. You might not be on board for that kind of variety. If that's true, I want to invite you to lean in to read this chapter over and over again, to see that I'm not lying to you, that the scope of the gospel is far more expansive than you've imagined, and maybe more expansive than your parents or grandparents taught you. Why is Paul in jail? Paul's in jail because this message, that he has been given by the grace of God, is worth it. As he concludes this section, he says, don't Don't worry about my sufferings. Don't focus too much on what's going on in me, that I'm I'm in jail. My, My sufferings are your glory, he says. Even my sufferings can magnify 
the witness of the church so that I can tell everyone I get a chance to, everyone in the human race, so that everyone in heaven might see the richness, the variety, the diversity of the wisdom of God. That God didn't make everything exactly the same, and yet he is putting it together in a more beautiful, colorful, textured design than ever you can imagine that will exist for his glory. There might come a cost to following Jesus and following Paul and sharing this great message with all of God's people. Cost Paul something. Cost all the disciples something. And Paul says, don't worry about that. It will be worth it because the testimony that we provide as we are brought together by Jesus is so compelling. It shapes the understanding of the angels about the grace and the wonder and the glory and the wisdom of God. May we as a congregation, may the church throughout the world learn what it means for us, our very existence in all of our diversity and increasing diversity to testify to heaven about who God is. May God work in us so profoundly that all of earth and heaven take notice at the different kinds of people God is bringing together, Gentiles and Jews and everything else, that we can worship God and make him known. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you didn't leave us out. We know we don't belong. And yet we know that our inclusion is a tiny part of the beautiful thing, the much, much colored thing that you are bringing together. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we could celebrate what it is that you're doing by your grace. That even as sometimes it comes with great cost, that we could not avoid counting the cost but that despite the cost, we would know that it is worth it to follow you wherever you lead us and to labor in the vineyard be beside whatever workers you put beside us. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would continue to expand the reach of your church and that you might continue to bring together the rich diversity of the church, that we, O oh Lord, might testify even to your angels about the work that you're doing in us and through us. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.